0: Hey guys, this is Brett. I'm the lead pastor at Engage City Church right here in Spruce Grove, Alberta, Canada. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to listen. We love you and we hope you enjoy this. John chapter 13, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Wow. Okay, great. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. But by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but Jesus said the same thing a couple of times as if to say, hey, my disciples and followers, sometimes you're a little thick-headed and don't always understand what I'm saying things to you. So just listen up. Love one another. <laughs> as I have left you, you must love one another. <laughs> By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another it's like Jesus is just trying to get the message through now he has to do this because there's a guy like Peter you might recall Matthew 18 where Peter's like okay Jesus is talking about forgiveness and Peter's like okay Lord you say I need to forgive people but how many times do I have to forgive people and he comes up with this formula. Do you think it's like seven times? And Jesus is like, no, it's way more than that. So this time Jesus decided he's going to set the bar way higher. He says, listen, you need to love one another. And the way that you do that is to love one another as I have loved you. That just shuts people up because that standard is a little bit high. It's like, Jesus, how should we love one another? Oh, just, you know, love each other the way that I love you. Well, how do, how, do, how, do, how do you loved us? How did Jesus love us? That's how disciples talk. They, they're so confused, they're baffled. How, Jesus, how, how do we love like you? Oh, that's simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How God loves is he gives his first and he gives his best extravagantly and sacrificially. Oh, it got real quiet there all of a sudden. That's how Jesus loves. Ephesians 5, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Oh, Jesus, this is getting serious up in here. You tell me to love people. Listen, Lord, I'm not interested in loving people. I barely like the people in this room. Now, it's it's a funny joke, but the truth is, for a lot of us, it's probably true. And it's not that we don't like each other because we just don't like each other. It's probably because we don't know each other. Sometimes I get up here and, you know, we talk about the engaged family and we talk about the fam and we, you know, you got to say that on Instagram and things and you, and you say all that stuff and some, in some ways I'm like, am I telling the truth? Because there's a lot of people in all our different services that don't necessarily know each other, maybe don't even like each other, don't even have never had a chance to meet. But we say it not just because uh, it's a fun thing to say, we say it because I'm speaking it into existence because we believe that when you come into the family of God that you actually come into a family here at Engage City Church, and then we're going to come and love one another. And Jesus gave us some instructions. He said, listen, if you want to follow me, if you want to look like me, walk like me, talk like me, if you want people to know that you've been with me, you've got to love one another. That's how we do it. We love one another. In Genesis 2 in the Bible, it says, listen, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. But sadly, most of us choose to live in isolation of our own making. We choose to live in our own world. We choose to live in a safe place that doesn't let too many people in. That We just like, if, if, if I'm just, I'm good over here. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We're like, I got my three friends and I'm good to go. And we don't consciously, I don't think, we don't consciously set up these defense mechanisms, but the truth is life has beaten us down to a place we, where you've experienced hurt, you've experienced pain, you've experienced loss, you've experienced difficulties, and so you say, you know what, it's just easier for me to live right here. Just just us four, no more. You know, the idea of a nuclear family in society, you know, mom and dad and two kids, that is, that is not a God idea. That's just a society idea. It's just what's happened. I'm not trying to look down on the family unit. But I don't know if you noticed, but North America is one of the only places in the entire world that doesn't practice generational homes. Everywhere else in the world, people live with their grandparents and their aunts and their uncles, and their kids. they just generational family homes. They live together. And I'm not saying you need to call your grandma and tell her to move in. I mean, maybe you do if the Lord tells you to, but I'm not telling you that. But I am saying that we we have... In North America, especially, because we're so much about our independence, right? We're so much about going our own way and doing our thing and, and carving a path. It's it's you know it's it, we come by honestly because there's pioneers that, that that lived here and we had to forge land. We come by honestly. It's, it's almost bred into us, like just go your own way, do your own thing, be your own person. But that's not how Jesus intended or created for us to live. While He said it's not good for man to be alone, He also said this. He said that God created human beings in his own image in Genesis 1. He also said this. He said, let us create man in our own image. Who is God talking to? You ever wonder about that? Let us create man in our own image. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Trinity. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, three in one, three distinct persons in one meaning God himself lives, functions, and works in community. We were made in his image. Therefore, we were made to live, function, and thrive in community. Not by ourselves, not insulated, not alone. We were made in God's image to live in community. Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, says it like this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Help, I'm falling and I can't get up. (laughs) Likewise, and this is of course Solomon, who also wrote Song of Solomon. Likewise, two people lying close to each other uh, together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone, said every wife ever. (laughs) It's like, get those frozen feet off of me. I did not get married to freeze alone in this bed. Okay. Sorry, too much information? It's funny because it's true. And all the men said, amen. Get those feet off me. Get those feet off me. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, if you've been to any Christian weddings, even ones that I've most likely officiated, you probably heard this portion of scripture. You know, two are better than one. And then if you got three, that's even better because it's a triple braided cord. And what we would say is that a man and a woman come together in marriage. And if Jesus is the center and he's wrapped around every area of their life, then you will succeed. You will not fall. You will not be conquered. And those things are true. But I think that it's interesting that in light of being created in the image of God, which is three in one, he says a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The power of God in community is not easily broken. Us living in community not for ourselves, but living with one another, loving one another, looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, sounding like Jesus. That was his plan from the start. It's us who have been reeling ever since. Oh, this person, you don't know what they said about me. No, I don't know what they said about you, but you need to get over it and grow up (laughs) because God called you to love that person. Oh, but you don't know what they did. No, I don't, and I don't want to know what they did. But what I do know is that they need your love now more than ever because probably the reason that they said that is because they're lashing out, because they need some love, and you've been called and created to bring love into their world. See, I think it's really interesting when Jesus is talking. So when we're looking at John chapter 13, he's he's talking. He said, "This this is the new commandment, love one another. He says this, and he says this right after he's washed all their feet, which is like the grossest thing ever. Like people that give people pedicures for a living should get like a gold star and a raise because it's like just the worst. Uh, but Jesus is in there washing people's feet. He shows them what real love looks like. He shows them what true servants look like. He shows them what that all is. It's their last supper together. It's their last time. He says, listen, this is the new commandment. This is the new way to live. This is the new way to do life. Love one another. Listen, when, when God is talking to you and it's some of his final words, it's important that you listen. He says, listen if you want everyone to know that you're with me, that your life has been changed and has been marked by Jesus, he says, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know that you're my disciples. Everyone will know that you've been with Jesus if you love one another. I would suggest today that the greatest outreach strategy, evangelism plan, the greatest thing that we could ever do to reach more people is to simply love one another. Another, love the people in these rows. Why don't you turn to somebody that you're sitting near, look them straight in the eye. Come on, let's turn, look them straight in the eye, and just say, "I love you." Now I'm hoping we got some new relationships started here today. I'm hoping you met somebody. Praise God, it's a miracle. It's not a mistake that you're sitting by him in church, <laughs> right? I mean, singles rejoice. You picked the right person to be sitting beside today. <laughs> Secrets out. <laughs> it's the greatest strategy, but it seems the most selfish, doesn't it? What do you mean? We just got to love one another? Like like just just us? Like just the family of God? Just the church? Just Christians? He says, no, you gotta, yeah, you got to love one another. Why do we love one another? Why is that important? How is that going to help us reach more people? It sounds sounds counterintuitive. Well, the truth is the gospel of Jesus is foolishness to most people that don't get it. It's always counterintuitive because Jesus has a different way about going after things. He's got a different way to accomplish things. He says, listen, first you've got to start with loving one another. Love those people that are around you because this is why. When you love one another, it means that your heart becomes expanded and you get to take care of and look after those who surround you. Which means you're not living for yourself, you're living for Jesus first and you're living to help and raise up others so for example this is my friend Craig Uh, Craig rolls with me when we, we travel he snores so loud it is I actually had to wear headphones with a white noise machine the last time we were on the road together But it's one of my responsibilities, one of my highest honors and responsibilities to call Craig friend and to love him extravagantly and sacrificially. In turn, he does the same thing with me. As I've expanded my circle and my sphere, what begins to happen is that Craig's circle and Craig's sphere begins to get impacted by this love for one another. And so people around him and around his life begin to understand what it looks like to love one another through thick and thin, and to understand that there is a greater family, a greater purpose, and a greater calling to their lives, simply because two people chose to love one another. Two people that come to church that, that do the same awkward dance moves at the front, like, we got this thing down, you know? <laughs> like, if you want to know how to dance in church, just watch it. We're just like, We got moves, man, for days. <laughs> for days. But we love one another. We're there in the good times. Most importantly, we're there in the bad times because we're called to love one another. And love doesn't run out when things get hard. Love doesn't run out when things get tough. Love begins to love and we double down on love. And guess what? The more that I love, the more I open myself up to the possibility to be hurt. But God says where there's unity that that commands a blessing. So if I'm loving somebody and if I'm taking care of somebody and all of a sudden that person comes back and hurts me and, and, and causes me pain, then I know that I'm doing what Jesus would want me to do. He's rewiring me the way that I think he's transforming me day by day, glory by glory, to look more and more like him, to look, think, act, talk like him. And I know that if I'm loving like he does, that he's going to come and pour his love, his mercy, his grace. He's going to come and top me up. Even if I'm hurt, he's going to heal my broken heart because he says, listen, you are doing it for me and in my name. Romans twelve two says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Just leave it there, Matt. Because it's at 12 o'clock and we're late on baptisms and all those things, I thought we might as well get real honest, Okay. We we need we need to change the way we think because we are hardwired for selfishness. We're hardwired for number 1 to take care of ourselves. If I'm being 100% honest with everybody, which I mean I usually am but I'm now even be more transparent, I'm totally good. I have more than enough friends. I'm fine. I had more than enough friends before I started the church. I have more than enough friends right now. I had more than enough friends 10 years ago because I got the same close-knit group of friends that we've been friends for decades that I know they're in my life. I I, I literally don't need anybody else. I'm totally fine. I don't need you. In fact, if I'm being real honest, I like crowds more than I like people because I don't have to talk to you. I talk at you. I don't talk with you, right? It's just easier to control the situation. I like looking at you from over here at a distance Well, I'm safe in a cage, right? You can't cross that threshold. And Craig will, Craig will hurt you if you try. So <laughs> you thought it was a coincidence he was sitting there. Um, but the reality is I'm not alone in that. Especially the longer we are on this earth, the, the more that we have, if we have a, even, and the more we have a good family and a good structure and good infrastructure and a good couple of friends, the longer we're in that default mode in that setting, because our life only happens by default or by design, the longer we live in that default mode, the longer we just stay stuck into a pattern of looking after us for and no more. The idea of the nuclear family, right? That, that mom and dad and two kids, like, well, this is perfect. This is awesome. Let's just, let's just stay here. This is good. This is a perfect world. This is safe, and this is controllable, and we like each other, and we love each other, and we got a couple of our friends, and that's, that's totally fine. No one's going to get in. No one's going to hurt us. I'm going to get what I need, and every once in a while, I, I, I'll, I'll help them out, but the truth is, if you're anything like my group of friends, we all kind of have this agreement that we don't ask too much of each other so that no one has to do any like, thing too much. Like I, my, I love my friend Derek the most. He's like, I will never ask you to move. Help me move. I'm like, you are a gift from God. He's like, but you don't ever call me to help you move. And I'm like, all right, that is a, that is a fair trait. But we create these perfect little worlds and situations and we're like, we don't need anybody else. Like, we're totally fine. We're, we're totally safe. We're totally secure. But that is the exact opposite of the heart of God. It is a deception, and I believe that comes from straight from the pit of hell, that Satan is known as the the father of all lies. And he tries to convince you that if you're by yourself, that us four no more. That's the best way that you can fight the world, just you and your little crew, and that's it. Don't let anyone else in. Keep yourself safe. Hey, how many people were present when Eve ate that apple? It was just one, and Satan himself, the manipulator. one-on-one because sometimes when you get alone and you get one-on-one and you live in isolation you can get convinced of things you can get swayed you can get turned but when you're living in community and when you're living in a family it's amazing how someone can say oh hold on I don't know if this is a good idea my friend Johnny he went with his dad to buy a new truck anyone like shopping for vehicles I love shopping. I just hate buying and paying the payments, you know? It's like I'm constantly on, like, Facebook Marketplace. you looking for things. I'm never going to buy unless someone's going to make a donation today. No one. I'm not going to buy anything. It's, it's a joke. It's okay to laugh in church. But he, he went to the dealership, and they set up a deal to buy this reasonable truck for, it was, I think it was $20,000. A couple, a couple bells and whistles, but nothing special. His dad went back later by himself, and by the time he was done, he ended up with a $45,000 truck (laughs) with all the bells and whistles and all the extra things because he just wasn't strong enough on his own. And those salesmen saw the sucker written right across his forehead. Sometimes you get strength when you walk into a situation with others that you're not usually strong enough to handle on your own. So if you feel like that you're like wobbly neat or you feel like you don't have the strength to, to, to face a situation and you feel trapped and isolated, is it possible that the reason you feel that way is because you don't have people who can walk into war with you? And then the question we have to ask ourselves is, why is that? Is it because I shut everybody else out to keep myself safe so I could limit the amount of things that I didn't want to do to just keep my world safe? Isaiah 54 sounds like this. Isaiah 54, 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. This is an incredible piece of scripture. And here's, here's a pastor's playbook. Anytime there's a vision Sunday or an expansion meeting or something, this verse is going to be preached. It's just how it works. We talk about enlarging things. We like that. When we talked about Vision Sunday in June 3rd, we talk about adding a second location. We talk about this because there's a promise from God to take more land and do more things. When he calls us forward, we can we can rely on that. If we're to put this in modern language, he literally says, renovate the house and put on an extension. And every wife said, amen. Let's renovate the house. It's in the Bible. Let's get a new kitchen going in here. But in verse 1 of this portion of scripture, it says, sing, O childless, barren woman and you're like, what? Sing for joy, and then it says, do some renovations, make a bigger house, paint the baby room. You're kind of like, that is a jerk move, God, in the Bible to tell somebody who has not been capable of having a Bible, a baby story, to not not only uh, start singing songs of joy that they're having a baby, but to to renovate and, and paint the room and get ready. It's not a jerk move when you're the God who can make it happen. But that these words were for the people of Israel. But We can take them forward into the New Testament. These words are for the people of God. And, and today, these words are for us. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. It's time to open up our hearts. It's time to open up our homes. It's time to open up our lives. It's time to be the family of God with the people. Yeah, we can clap right now. It's time to be the family of God. Thank you, Craig. It's time to be the family of God to open up our hearts and expand our hearts. I can stand up here and I can tell you that I was fine, that I don't need anyone else, that I'm totally okay, that I don't need anyone, but I would just be buying into my own selfishness and buying into a lie and manipulation, but I can also confidently stand up here and tell you that I do not believe that today, even though I can say it out loud, because the Lord has enlarged my heart, my capacity, my ability to love people, and what I have learned is the more that I love and the more that I let in, the more my life is better and enriched, and even though there's ups and there's downs there's journeys and there's pain, there's always the faithfulness of God that carries all of us through. And I know that I'm not just going into the next thing alone. I'm taking everybody with me. Whatever the next season is, I'm taking everybody with me. Whatever God has for us, we're all in this together and we're all going together. Galatians 6 says, carry each other's burdens. Galatians 6 verse 2. This way you will fulfill the law of Christ and that is love. Carry each other's burdens how do we love we love one another we do it extravagantly and we do it sacrificially we love one another this is James 5 confess to one another therefore your faults your slips your false steps your offenses and your sins and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man and or woman that's interchangeable there makes tremendous power available Confess your faults, sins, slip-ups, mistakes to one another. That's a tremendous statement to make because it leaves us exposed, right? Oh, you need, you, the Bible tells me I should tell somebody about that? Oh, no, I, I, I leave that on the inside. That's deep, dark stuff. I don't tell people that stuff. Well, the reason that it's deep, dark stuff and the reason it still has power over you is because you let it control you because you refuse to pull it into the light. Jesus calls us to live in community and not just community where we love each other, but community where we love each other and trust each other enough to say, hey, listen, I'm going through something. I've got to struggle. I need to trust you with this thing so that I can be accountable and so you can help carry me forward carry me into the next thing the reason why you feel like you're barren and you feel like you're struggling and you can't even wrap your mind around enlarging your tent and your territory you feel like it's been a struggle for so long is because we're living closed off and we're insisting on carrying all of our own pain and all of our own baggage when Jesus said that's not the infrastructure that I created for you Hebrews 10 and then we'll baptize people to the cow people here not yet but all right The cows got out. We had to wait. Because we don't always get the idea, just pay attention, because Jesus repeats his thought three times just like he did. There's three in one, and he said, love each other three times. now he says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works let us not neglect our meeting together in some, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I don't know if you noticed it, but he said, let us, let us, let us. He didn't say, let me, let you, let you, yourself, and I. He didn't say any of those things. He said, let us. We're all in this together. Let us together hold on to the hope that is Jesus Christ. Let us remind each other that even though we're going through dark times, that Jesus is faithful. He's the same yesterday today and forever let us provoke one another to good works this translation says encourage one another other translation says provoke if you're an agitator you are created to agitate other people to good works let us let us let us we're all in a, this together in fact you could say this is us people who live in community, in relationship, who love and who live extravagantly and sacrificially, who keep letting people in and put no barriers up, people who let people in to love them all the way back to life. People who love in spite of themselves, in spite of their situations, who give when there's nothing left to give, but when Jesus asks you to give, he always provides for his vision, There's provision for the vision. People who love, who love, who love, who love. I don't know if you got this, but who love one another. Love, love, love. Love me like you do. Love me like Christ loves us to give himself for us the last time you gave yourself for somebody else. The Bible says, the Spirit of God draws all men to Himself. Father does that. That Spirit lives inside each and every one of us. So as we begin to build a community of faith and we build spheres and we build circles of influence. Listen, I can't reach the people that Callista reaches because it's weird for me to hang out with 20-year-old girls. But Calista can reach those people. Calista can reach those people because she's a part of this community. We love Calista. We love Calista in our family. And she can reach those people and all I have to do is love her from over here bring her into our family, into my family, and into your family, and then she can reach those people, because the Spirit of God is living and active and alive in her, and that draws people in. When when the Father draws people to himself, do you understand that he lives in you, and he's actually drawing them to you? So if he's drawing them to you, do you have room? Do you have capacity? You're like, God, just bring the people to church, okay? But we barely have room here. (laughs) Whether we have seats in a row in church, it's about whether we have room in our lives to accommodate all the people that Jesus is bringing into your life, so that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to those people in your spheres. Let us, let us, let us, let us stand together. Why don't we stand? Hey, thanks so much for listening. I know God's got a great plan and a purpose for you, and I know that it's not a mistake that you were listening to this message today. So if you want to reach out if you need someone to talk to, feel free to send us an email. Hello at engagechurch.ca. Uh, If you want to learn more about our church, you want to come check us out live and in person uh, for the real deal, then get all the information online at EngageChurch.ca. I'm Brett. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're running or you're at the gym right now, you got this. Go get it.